Welcome to the Voices of Golf podcast. I'm Christian Brewey. Thanks for tuning into the inaugural episode. The idea here is to bring you interviews with the broadcasters, journalists, authors, podcasters, and social media influencers from the game of golf. We'll dive into their games, their relationship with the game, and why they love it. My first guest is Golf Channel veteran Todd Lewis. He shares some great advice he got from Justin Rose, the job he almost took instead of joining the Golf Channel, and his hole-in-one in front of a legend of the game. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Todd Lewis. So let's dive right in. I just want to know how your golf game is right now. Oh, man, you're starting with a tough question immediately. Uh, you know, it it's... It's challenging. I mean, like golf is in general. I, yeah. you know, I'm okay if I break 80, which I do about 50% of the time. I'm kind of satisfied. I'm closer to 60 than 50, so the body doesn't move like it used to. Yeah. And, uh, and between traveling and now I, I have a seven-year-old. When I come home, I don't get that much time to practice as much. But it's okay. I mean, I don't. I don't. I think the big, biggest thing for me is that I don't have expectations anymore. I used to yeah. when I could play okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I have a good time with it now. I just go out and enjoy the fellowship and the fresh air, and if I make a birdie or two, that's cool. <laughs> I think that's the detriment. When you when you do grind, you expect a certain thing, and it sounds like where you're at, you go out, and, yeah, if you, you shoot 78, 77, you're on top of the world. Yeah, I mean, I tell you, golf is such a weird sport because you can't count on anybody else but yourself. Uh, I, ha I had a top player, Justin Rose, who's won a major. He's won a gold medal in the Olympics. He told me, he said, the best advice I try to give amateurs is to play with confidence and no expectations. So <laughs> that's a lot easier said than done, but that's that's good advice. Yeah, that is that is awesome. I saw on Instagram you, you put on that you you threw a training aid. Uh, what was that that Greg Koch's training aid? Did did that lead to any improvements? <laughs> I haven't dove into that, but I know there's so many people out there that will, will buy anything that comes up on the right. feed. And, and what about you? Well, that's something called the uh, Pro Sender that a couple of buddies of mine developed. I have. I mean, we're going to get technical at my golf swing here. I mean, when I Let's take go. it up Let's here, go. I go over the top, and my my club ends up pointing like at two o'clock instead of straight down the line yeah. at noon. And so this aid helps try to get my hands in place at the top. And I, I've practiced with it. It's helped some. So, but like anything, I mean, he, here's the thing. We go out and when we play golf, I've learned this just from playing and talking yeah. to players and caddies and coaches. When we play golf, the feel versus the real is totally different. I mean, we may feel when I when I when I feel like it's pointing the top of my club pointing at noon, it's moving from two to one right. you know, on the clock right. dial. Um, and then when you when 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 I get it straight down the line at noon, it feels like it's back here. I mean, so the feel versus real because we just grew up playing. The, the, we own this. We have the swing we have, right? And um, it's it's just odd to change. It's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, I think Rosie's getting a lot of play here in the beginning. But I feel you see him do that deep, like he gets deep oh, in yeah. his legs. The feel yeah. versus real. I think that was one of the I first mean, times. Jordan Speed, you watch that. him. He still does it. He's like he's like trying to simulate going over the top and stuff, so he will not go so much inside. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 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 this game can be just mind boggling at times. It can. How much do you get to play now that the season's kicked off again? How much do you get to play? Well, I. 
You know, it's funny. I uh, I probably play as much, if not more, when I'm traveling than I am when I'm yeah. home. For the uh, reasons I mentioned, I, I come back home, and and understandably, my wife says, "Wait a minute, you've been gone for two weeks, and now you want to go play golf?" And I'm like, "You're right. Fair point." Uh, and, and also, I want to be involved in my family because I've been gone, right. and especially my daughter. So. When I when I travel, I would say probably seventy five percent of the time I find a course to play uh, on the road. I played a couple times in Hawaii for the first two events uh, of nice. the year. I know, don't be mad at me, um, but but you know when you get that opportunity, you try to play. Yeah, that that's that's a killer opportunity. Where did you play sure. while you were out in Hawaii? Well, I played the Monday after each of the PGA Tour events. So I played Kapalua in the Plantation Course the Monday after the tournament, and you know they're shooting. 62 and 63 on that golf course and i don't i mean that's just another appreciation of how good they are because right. i was not anywhere close to that uh and then i played the monday after uh they played the sony open hawaii at wildlife country club which is a great golf course so i played the two pga tour events the monday after the tournaments so. <laughs> well that, and they do they they make the plantation course look so easy of course they hit it in the exact right spots to hit the speed slots and and all that. What did you shoot? Right. Did, did you did you keep score for uh, that one? Or I did. I think I shot like eighty eighty four. Um, Any four hundred so, yard I mean, drives? I had eighteen. If you remember, eighteen is that yeah, downhill par the, five. Yeah, yeah. I had like a. I think I had a four hybrid into that one. So I had a good that's drive good. there. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I can't move it like it used to. But you know, <laughs> that's, it was fun. Who, who, who it's the short the- game that kills me, Christian. I get around the green, a hundred yards in. I don't care how far you get, hundred yards in, I'm paralyzed. So that that's where I'm. Yeah. I'm, I'm I, I spent work. this morning trying to figure out the putting stroke. I felt like I had gotten that under control. Of course, I got everything else now feeling good, and then I got on the greens yesterday and I couldn't make a putt. So you yeah, know, it's it's, it's always it something. It's always something. Correct. Who on the Golf Channel crew do you do you get out with when you are traveling? Is there there one <laughs> of them that's a stick? that you're with it well, isn't my, a golfer, my, i guess maybe uh well my my true tour wife he's my uh he's generally my field producer his name's andrew bradley and he played mm-hmm. baseball at valparaiso so he's an athlete big tall six two guy and yeah. uh he can move it he can play pretty well he's around scratch so i usually play with him um i, I it's funny it's so funny how the tour players that I work with are former tour players. They don't really like to play that much when they're out there. I, they have just, I guess they have just hit enough golf balls in their lifetime. It's like, no, I'm going to have my tie by the pool. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't really want to play golf. But us guys who didn't play golf for a living, we love to play. Right, right. When did you start playing? Uh, I started playing when I was 11. And my, I, I grew up in rural North Carolina. I mean – rural North Carolina. And my, my great uncle had a golf course that wasn't a country club. It was a club in the country. And, <laughs> and, and so we would just go out there. I mean, let me not kidding. I mean, there was like people in cut off shorts, blue jean shorts, and, um, you just go out there and hit balls and goof off. And I, you know, I hit a couple of shots, my first couple of rounds that were kind of in the sweet spot. And I just kind of got hooked in there. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was, you fell in love pretty quickly. And then yeah. How, yeah. How's the relationship been throughout your life? Did Have you continuously played a lot or, or how did it go? Well, I mean, I think I love the, I love the personal challenge of playing. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's the pursuit of perfection that's never attainable. <laughs> and, but 
I also enjoy the integrity it brings to the game that, you know, the self-policing you have, the camaraderie, the laughs, um, being outside, uh, you know, it's just so many wonderful things you can link to the game that are actually builders of character. So I, I think more than anything, that's why I love the game. Uh, does your daughter play? She has a set of clubs, uh, but she's seven. I've tried to get her out. She, she'll, she's interested in it about for about 20 minutes, and then it's you know not so much, yeah. which is fine. I, I, right? I'm not going to push anything on her. I mean, I want her to get it when she wants to get it. Um, but but you know, for us, she likes to ride around the golf cart and yeah. try That's to find my, birds and alligators and stuff like that. My daughter's the same way, and we did the Operation 36 there at Dub's Dread, which. Oh, I think yeah. it's such a cool way to teach the game of, you know, try and shoot 36 from 25 yards and then 50 yards. And you know, it, it makes it, I think, uh, a lot more interesting for them. Right. But right. also we did it for one time and that was it. She enjoyed the candy in the clubhouse and the, the soda that she got a lot more than trying to hit some balls or whatnot. So we'll see if, if she comes around again as well. So um, take me through your journey to getting to the Golf Channel. I, I know you went to UNC Greensboro Mm-hmm. Was being a sports broadcaster always something you were interested in? Yeah, I mean, and I I encourage um, students who either are in high school, or definitely when they get to college, is to have a purpose. And I, I mean, it's kind of all I wanted to do, and I was determined to make it happen. And went to school for a broadcast journalism major. There was I was fortunate that my university um, although it's not very big it was very thorough and offered opportunities some hands-on experience they had had their own like kind of cable network where we would produce newscasts and you know back in 1987 uh, that was pretty big and so so I was able to put together some reels and send some tapes out and when it, you know obviously it's it's hard to find a job right out of school I bartended for a year out of school trying while sending out tapes to local news stations. And finally got my big break at WECT at Wilmington, North Carolina's weekend sports anchor making, get this, $15,500 a year. Yep. And so, you know, ate a lot of mac and cheese, worked there, made some mistakes, grew, uh, went to uh, from a small market to, I guess, a medium-sized market across the country into Spokane, Washington. Wow. Uh, did the same thing there, got tried to get better, covered bigger events. Uh, then, uh, went back to North Carolina where I'm originally from, uh, worked in the top 30 market in Raleigh and then ultimately moved to, to Orlando where I was working, um, at the CBS affiliate, as you know, as a sports anchor and was a morning news anchor there for a while and was about kind of, kind of was over the local news, um, business and was thinking about doing something else. Actually, Merrill Lynch is a good story. I left my, I left my station, Merrill Lynch came calling to talk to me. I guess they had watched me locally on the newscast and they felt like I had some close contacts with Orlando Magic and some other big influential people here in the city of Orlando. And they said, we think you'd be great as a financial advisor. They wanted me to sell their their, yeah. their, their merch. And I thought about it and I said, yeah, I don't know. And they said, they, we're going to pay you a pretty a, a salary that actually was more than I was making while I was working as a newscaster. Um, and then you, you know, you kind of build from there. So I thought about it and between the contemplation of doing that and changing my career path, uh, golf channel called and said, we know you're a free agent and we know you're in town. Would you like to come and just, you know, we, we want to test you out. You want to test our waters. And so I went to work with them 
for a month and did some things and then they offered me a contract and I said goodbye to Merrill Lynch. And yeah. was um, that 15, there you go. 15 years now you've been with the golf channel? Is that uh, this right? is 16 now. 16. Wow. Well, we, I think we see you now interviewing the players, the, the cool walk and talks, the features and the stories. Mm -hmm. What was the role right when you started there with Golf Channel? I was actually hired as an anchor um, okay. and was primarily going to be a studio anchor. I, a year or so into the job, I wanted to get out on tour more just to, for a couple of reasons. One, to break up the monotony and, to other, and the other thing is I think it's a key component and being successful in life is to build relationships with the the product, which are the yeah. players. Um, and I guess doing that, I realized as I was able to get some information and build some trust and relationships that any network or any station or whatever, they, if they can find a studio host, but to find someone that's connected to information and that can access it and get it, then that they're more you're more valuable uh and so i kind of went down that path it's like hey i want to kind of be an insider i guess I, and i don't i don't know if i am or not but i wanted to make sure that if if there's news happening that i'm on top of it and i know who to yeah. call and, and and get that to be connected i know you talked about being out there at for the Sony in the century, is is that still kind of the schedule? You, you go for two weeks, or and then you're back home for a little while. What what is the schedule for you during the yeah, season? Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of sporadic. I uh, I'm I'm blessed that my um that my company sends me to all the major championships, so you mm -hmm. build around that. Um, and then there's there's always a team event, me at the Ryder Cup, but this year's the Presidents Cup, and the players, of course. Um, and then I guess. It's it's really not up to me. My superiors make my uh, make my schedule, but okay. you know I like I like to work the bigger events, obviously, because the bigger players are there, the bigger storylines are there, and we I you know just like players out on the PGA Tour, they're measured a, a, in in regards to how they perform in a major championship. The same is true for us. Hmm. I mean, because we have more eyeballs on a certain major championship, right. so. Better make sure you have your A game those four to five weeks. Yeah, speaking about those four to five weeks, what does it look like the lead up to the majors, Masters, Ryder Cup, the, those events? As you're trying to compile the stories that are going to lead up on live from in the other segments and shows that you guys have. Well, the schedule is different now. The PGA Tour has these signature events, which are right. favorite events. It's going to have seventy to eighty players, and generally all the big stars uh, playing in them. Um. And, and that's kind of a little bit of a new frontier for us. We had some of it last year as well. But, you know, as you build, I mean, there's nothing like building towards Augusta. That's mm -hmm. the first one. I mean, it has the tradition. It's the only major championship that's on the same golf course. Um, I feel like everybody, you know, once you get, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, make a NASCAR parallel. It's like the Daytona 500. It's right. the biggest race. It's the first one. Everybody's excited about it. And, and the same thing can be true about the Masters, um, given the history and, and, and the fact that it's the first one. Because if you go out there and you play well, and if you win it, you know, you, you can set the tone uh, for the rest of your year. Speaking of those majors and those big tournaments, what are some of the moments that, that still kind of, you maybe think back on and pinch yourself that, that you were a witness to some of those? Well, I mean, they're all special. I mean, it's kind of right. like every major championship that I've been to, especially the Masters, is kind of like picking out your favorite movie. It's really hard <laughs> to do. Um, but I have to say in 2019, um, 
I'm fortunate. Most of the time, I get to sit down with with the major champion that night, that night that they win. And every year, it's the, every year I've done it with the Masters champion that I've been going there for the last you know twelve, thirteen years. And it's really it's really cool because you start in on the micro of like what happened that day or that week, and then you broaden out to a macro of how you know how you got there or what this is going to do for you moving forward, depending on the subject. But in 2019, um, if you remember, Tiger won. And here's a guy well into his 40s that had a broken body um, that you know, probably made some, some bad decisions. He'll tell you that in his life. But it was interesting watching him perform that week. Because when, here's, here's the analysis of Tiger when you, when you look at him. When he came out in 1996 and did – Won the Masters in '97, and as he made as we made the turn to a new century. I mean, he was he was megastar. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I I firmly believe at the height of his powers, he was probably the most recognizable person on the planet, besides maybe the President of the United States. And he he, he urbanized golf. Um, he put golf into the city. You know, it was cool to play golf. You know, he got rid of the pleated pants and all that. And, you know, this you know it's cool. And so he made such an iconic um, movement or shift uh, in in the game and in sports. But frankly, not everybody liked him at that time. I mean, you know, they, he they they never seen anybody do to a golf ball what he did. But you know, they didn't like that. You know, golf was this prestigious, you know, very traditional sport, and here he was fist pumping, black and red, and you know, and all this and. Um, and when he played, he was so focused. It wasn't that he was trying to be rude that he would walk from a green to a tee and he wouldn't, you know, engage with the fans. But then obviously as he's gotten older, things have happened to him. Um, his hairline is in retreat. Um, his, you know, he's, he's, you know, unfortunately, sadly, his, his, his family's broken. He's divorced. I guess in other words, he went from being perfect or at least that image that we thought he was. And now he's flawed. And now like all of us, you know, and now we can relate to him. And in 2019, it was interesting watching the patrons and the noise around him. It's like he was just as popular then, in my opinion, as he was in 2000. And so for him to win and, and kind of have an arc of coming back and for me to sit down and we, you know, talk about, again, that day, that week, that career, you know, that was that was pretty impactful for me. Yeah, his... I, I, to see it now and, and kind of the evolution of just being a fan of his from those early days. And yeah, you're idolizing him, watching him golf. And now, yeah, he just seems like one of us almost. And I think yeah. that he's his relationship with the other players has evolved. And you see that with you know his friendship with JT and the way he just seems to chum it up uh, with the players while uh, they're on the course or interacting off of it too. So I mean, if you think about it, Tiger, Tiger is kind of a victim of his own success. The reason that players are so good now and the game is so global yeah. is because of him. The reason that pe- players are in the gym as much as they are on the driving range is because of him. Yeah. And when Tiger came out in 1996, there were, you know, there were a lot of beer bellies and, and ugly shirts and, you know, and just kind of yeah. like, Hey, nobody <laughs> went to the gym. Now everybody goes to the gym. I mean, yeah. if, they're rolling the golf ball back now, the USGA and the RNA, because people hit it too far. It, some of it is technology. I get it. But a lot of it is the fact that, that players are bigger and stronger now than they were 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason that, and that's called Tiger Woods. 
I, I do think we're maybe cyclical in some of the fashion. My my son's he seems to like the game. He's four years old. We were watching some old TPC highlights, and they had the best thirty shots on PGATour.com, and it was some Hal Sutton shots. I mean, the the sleeves are down to you know his vast yeah. elbows and everything. <laughs> but then we got Jason Day wearing those pants at uh, the Century, and well, we're, maybe true. we're going back to to the baggy stuff. Maybe so. Uh, I don't know how you would classify this moment, but the Brooks Bryson, when it was happening, did you realize it? And what were the days and weeks like after that thing goes as viral as it did? At the moment, there was nothing to me. Um, yeah. It was a Friday. Uh, it was the toughest day of the week as far as, um, as, as, as far as the golf course setup, as far as course conditions and weather conditions. And so players weren't playing well. And so there were a lot of frustrated players when they walked off the golf course. Um, and it was just by coincidence that Bryson was walking by in his spikes when I was interviewing Brooks. Mm -hmm. And if you've seen the video, you see Brooks would, you know, you know kind of broke character and just like, um, and my, to me, it was nothing. It was a blooper. I mean, it was like, hey, we got. I, look, I got, I got to get Brooks back on track because I got to do this interview, and then I got to interview Bryce, and then I got to interview him and him and him. I mean, I'm, it's an assembly line. So really, it was, it was nothing to me. I didn't even think anything about it. I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't tell my wife about it. I was just kind of like, it's just you know, it's <laughs> nothing. Well, obviously, it became something, and. Um, it it was it was wild that I was caught in the center of that. Um, not as I mean, more people were talking about Brooks and Bryson than me, obviously. But it, it just it was something that silly and behind the scenes, there was really no no angst or hate or anything, or really that much of a rivalry between those two at the time. Um, yeah. It just was coincidental. Uh, it's interesting how they they turned that moment into a rivalry and commercialized and created a match out of it right. in the fall. Okay. So, you know, all right. They took advantage Some of the business acumen a little bit. I guess, business so I guess acumen maybe from Bryson or but, Brooks or, yeah, I don't know. Right. It's funny. They got through that. Now they're the best of buds. Don't live golf. So there you go. Yeah, that's true. What, what has it been like covering the sport over the last two years as you know, oh. you're not seeing John Rahm? all the time now, you know, as, as we look forward to 2024, what's it been like? Um, it's been challenging. I mean, I, I feel journalistically, I am always in the constant linebacker breakdown position and a fullback is coming right at me because I just, I mean, every day or every week, it just seems like there's, there's a different story or a shift in the narrative. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's challenging and I'm more concerned about our sport and the popularity of it in general that, you know, that this isn't too fractured that, that fans I mean, for a sport to thrive um not from a participatory perspective because fan or people are playing golf a lot more now than they were 10 15 years ago but from a viewing perspective and watching golf at the highest level in order for that to continue i feel like you obviously have to have you new fans come into the mix and let's say somebody went to Top Golf two years ago and, and started playing, and they're like, "Man, I really like to play this. I'm going to go out on the course. Wow, I really like playing golf on the course. I think I'm going to watch golf at the highest level now." But they turn it on and they say, "Wait a minute, Brooks Kapka, Cameron Smith, John Rahm over here, Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods. Those guys are over here. That's confusing. The best aren't playing together." 
forget about it. I'm, I'm going to watch tennis. And then, you know, then that's, that's the scary part is that this sport will lose its popularity at the highest level. And so that's where I'm concerned. I'm hoping that, that these bodies can figure something out and unify the game because they're, I'm worried that they're kind of cannibalizing themselves. So that, that's the biggest concern, but it's been, it's been challenging. I mean, June 6th of last year, when this framework agreement between the PGA tour and the public investment fund, of Saudi Arabia came out. I mean, that was the, that was one of the craziest days in my career. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I really did think someone was punking me and, um, it was, it was, it was, I, yeah, it was just shocking. Just shocking. Yeah. It, 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 it takes me back to just, you know, being in the news side and being in a newsroom and just breaking news is popping up all over the place. And it does feel like for the last two years, it hasn't stopped. And, uh, you know, I guess, I guess you're still right now. You're, you're, you're still squarely in linebacker position because we're still yeah. waiting for news on all of that. Yeah. I mean, something we could have Kumbaya and all these entities come together and we're, right. You know, one big happy family once again, but there's there's absolutely a real possibility that this deal could blow up and we're right back where we were in 2022. And so, and who knows what? Right. So you, you, I'm, I've learned that to, to, you need to be prepared for anything. Right. Uh, back to what you said about being connected to the game and to the players and the product. It, who are some of the players that, that you really just enjoy interacting with? Uh, once again, I, I really love the walk and talks up the fairway. It seems as though they're a little more open. We've seen some of that even in the live broadcast from NBC and, and you're micing mm -hmm. up the players and whatnot. Do you enjoy those? And then, then who are some of those players oh, you really yeah. like? And oh, I mean, I, you know, I, I enjoy, I mean, these, these guys, cause I live it. I mean, it's, it's hard. Like when, when we'll use our, we'll use my, our city or the Orlando magic go out and they play a road trip, you know, a six game road trip. Generally they're all together. They have company there they can laugh. They can lean on each other. They practice and play together and so on. When you go out, when you go on the road, uh, playing golf and people don't really understand this. There's a lot of things you got to combat. You got to combat loneliness. And you miss your family, your friends, your loved ones. Um, fear because you know you're playing for your livelihood. Going back to the, your family, friends, love when you're playing for them. Uh, there's there are no guaranteed contracts in this sport. You 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 eat what you kill. In other mm. words, so in order for you to make a certain amount of money, you got to play that way. And so doubt is a constant shadow that follows you around. So there's a lot of insecurities that these players have to battle in a hotel room by themselves, yeah. you know? And so that there are major, major challenges. So for them to be vulnerable to, to me and reveal a little bit about themselves and what they have to go through personally and professionally, first I'm honored that they give me that respect, but more importantly, I hope that I can provide a portal for our viewers into the challenges and some of the joys that these athletes um, go through. Yeah. I think we're, yeah, we're constantly getting these incredible stories. It just a lot, Chris Kirk winning. You talk about the loneliness and everything yeah. he's overcome. Gary Woodland, the story that you did on him before the Sony. When you get the opportunity to tell those stories, I, I'm sure there's you know a lot that you feel like you want to make sure you get that across and get that right, isn't there? 
Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah. Being, I mean, I, I hope that I'm a citizen in the land of fact land. Uh, I, I don't want to... I, my job is not to spout out my opinion. I, I'm, I want to give facts and, and information. Um, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned Gary Woodland. I mean, it was, it was, it was touching to me again, going back to what we talked about, Gary Woodland, for those who are, are listening, you know, Gary Woodland had a lesion on his brain, essentially a right. brain tumor that they had to open up his skull and get out. And obviously that's a very serious injury that could have cost him his eyesight. It could have cost him paralysis and could have cost him his life. And for him to come back from that and, and to be um, open in the fact that he thought he was going to die. I mean, yeah, I, I appreciate so much that he's sharing that with me and, and more importantly, our viewers. Um, but at the same time, you want to make sure that, that you know, there, there are bigger things than, than birdies and bogeys when you talk about what Gary Woodland went through. And he's just yeah. one of the, of the examples. And there are many of them out there. When you go on social media now, I, I would imagine your feed's full of golf stuff similar to mine. Are you amazed at how the game continues to grow sort of post-COVID with the amount of content that is, that is coming out? There's, I mean, there's full-on comedy, golf comedy accounts that, that are they're going viral and whatnot. It, it's, it seems pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, with the advent of, of gambling now, which is getting a lot of national attention as well, people... <laughs> You know, it, uh, people want that information. You know what's going yeah. on. Uh, you know, <laughs> is his back okay? You know, you know what? How, how is he putting any better? That the kind of thing. Um, but yeah, there's a lot. I mean, social media for sure has opened up a lot of thirst uh, for information um, and entertainment. Uh, right. So uh, I I think that's you know I think it's generally a positive. There are a lot of there are a few like in any any arena. Right on social media that are not that great, but we're going to stick to the positive. So totally. I do think that drones uh, have also, I know that those have been implemented in the broadcast yeah. to give you these different views, whether it's a picture on online or, or of the courses when you guys in, are in Hawaii and the visuals that we get of those that, I don't, I don't know, they just make me want to go take a golf trip whenever I'm, I'm watching. Correct. I mean, I think one of the biggest uh, advancements for television over the last few years has been TrackMan. Uh, for oh, us yeah. to watch shots and, you know, to see not only the direction they're going, but also their ball speed, uh, the swing speed, you know, all those things. Uh, you know, that that TrackMan and, and all the other launch monitors that are used in broadcast, I think, I think they're fantastic. I want to do maybe a little rapid fire and just get your thoughts on like, what's the favorite course you play? You have one, well, again, I know that's like picking a favorite movie as well. I mean, again, I've played a lot. Um, you know, I've been fortunate to play a lot of them, but I mean, I'm going to go back <laughs> to what we were just talking about. It, I, the plantation course in Kapalua, I look forward to every year. And here's why. It's, they've got the biggest fairways on the PGA Tour. They've got the <laughs> biggest greens. It's carved into a mountain. And while you're riding up and down the mountain, you just look out at the Pacific and you see whales breaching and the, you know, the trade winds are blowing or the Kona winds are blowing. And we talked about earlier about expectations. You lose all expectations there. So it's, a fun, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite golf courses to play on the planet. Maybe it's there on the tour. Do you have a favorite hole from, from somewhere other than the plantation course, one that, that sticks out for you? I mean, I this I always enjoy playing the 17th hole stadium course at Sawgrass. You know, yeah. it, it's it's not every and again, it's intimidating to look at. But it's really if you can eliminate all that water, and that's the challenge. I think <laughs> it's really kind of a chip shot. It's just a wedge or a nine iron. It's not that 
huge shot. Now, if I was, if they back that thing up 80 yards, the tee, right. and you're hitting a six or a five iron into that thing, well, then, then you're freaking me out. But yeah. it, but it's still cool. I mean, it's really cool. I, I really enjoy the stadium course as well. You, you truly got to clear the mechanism and, right. you know, it's, it's just, just the green out there about 130, 140 yards. I take a trip every year with, with, Eight guys, do you have a best golf trip you've taken, maybe an area you've gone to and you've knocked out a handful of courses, or maybe that's just through work where you've gone? Um, hey, it's really cool if you're fortunate enough to go across the pond and to play old course at St. Andrews, yeah. which is a spiritual experience. If you get to just go to St. Andrews and go to the Dunbagan and have a pint after, that's incredible. But if you can go there and then you can play Kings Barnes, which is right down the road, which is kind of like a a Scottish pebble beach. And then Carnoustie, which is by far the most challenging golf course of these three. And if you can play those three, which I've been blessed to do, um, I mean, that's a trip. That's a really cool trip because golf over there is completely different. Right. They don't have massive bunkers and elevated greens. You know, you run it up and you get – you can hit 300 yard drives because the ground's so hard and the turf so, so you know, just it's like cement. But but you know they love the game in a different way. Not to say that it's a bad way here, but it's 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 really cool. There's so much on that peninsula. I honestly did go to Scotland last summer. Oh, cool. Old course though, unfortunately, had a tournament going on while we were there. We did walk 17 and 18 and had a pint. Played Ely, so that was my one, you know, one one course that I got to. But it was awesome. a little windy in in Old Tom Morris, and the turf is just, you know, blind shots and all that stuff. So I'm already planning the next trip back sometime <laughs> yeah. soon. Oh, what's your go to snack or food? Maybe out on the course at the turn, is there something you're grabbing? I don't have a uh, an adult beverage on the course. Uh, I just don't because I don't have any excuses. Um, <laughs> Generally, I'll get a Gatorade or maybe a soda at the turn and something kind of light, you know, whether it's a protein bar or there's, you know, little crackers with peanut butter or something yeah. like that. That's kind of what I do. Right. That was my Pretty next boring. question was, was the drink, <laughs> but Gatorade or something like that sounds yeah. like. On the course. Now, the after, the, after the round, it's a different story. Okay. So then what is it? What, what's the, the go-to after? Is it just a cold um, beer or you like a cocktail? I'll, I'm kind of like a little... Just three fingers of tequila and ice. Okay. Uh, yeah, straight up. It's All right. Supposed to be, it's supposed to be the healthiest that, that you can have. <laughs> right. so, as long as you have just one, then that makes right, it exactly. Fine. Do you yeah. have a hole in one? I do. I had three. Uh, yeah. Where, where, where? My first one uh, was, is, is, uh, this is an odd story. My first one, I was actually playing with Ernie Els. Uh, and it's a crazy story if you got a second, but it's like, yeah, go I, for it. I hate, I hate playing with tour players because <laughs> I'm not that great. And they obviously are. And you know, the, if I three putt, uh, you know, three or four times in a round and I have to ask a player about missing a putt, <laughs> they're like, what are you asking me for? I've seen your game. So I'm, I, I'm Ernie has this wonderful, um, foundation the else for autism foundation and it was a fundraising event and and my friends and i with ernie were playing and i was obviously nervous and and so i'm playing and i'm doing okay and we get to this fourth hole which is a par three and it was 158 yards and i had a nine iron and i you know and i was playing well at the time and i flushed it and the way the green was set up it was elevated and it had a lot of moguls and hills and movement i 
I couldn't see it go in, but my friend swore it went in. And so we get to the hole and sure enough, it was in the hole. Everybody <laughs> was high-fiving and Ernie was like, yeah, brother, you did a great, man. I knew it all the time. You know, so that, that was kind of cool. That was really fun. Yeah, I, I don't know if you'll be able to top that. <laughs> in no, front of probably not. Else. No. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Honestly, Todd, I, I appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun to talk a little bit of golf with you. Yeah, you too, Christian. Good to talk with you as always.